This episode of Sports with Friends is brought to you by Alera Health Products. Every time I turn on the news, there is something about COVID. There is something about the flu. There is something about viruses. Medical experts are understaffed. There's so much going on. The best way to avoid doctors is to improve your immune health. There's a product that I just learned about called Immune Extra. And it's the only product available that can increase immune health up to ninefold in as little as nine days. It does so by increasing the amount of messenger cells that alert the immune system of any invaders. It's only one per day for maintenance. Think of it as a multivitamin for the immune system. Dosages can be increased to up to 15 per day with no side effects ever reported after millions of doses. It's been around for over 30 years. It's just new to sports with friends. It's not new to the world. It's now available in a triple strength formula originally sold only by doctors. And if you have tested positive for COVID or any respiratory illness, it's a true medicine cabinet product. Immediately when someone close to me tested positive, I wanted to know exactly what I should do. I contacted doctors. While we are not giving medical advice, this is something you want in your possession. It should be taken upon the onset of symptoms. Go to their website, www.immunextra.com. And when you're checking out, get 15% off just for finding this from Sports with Friends. The keyword that you have to type when you're at checkout is FRIENDS15. You know, friends. Friends15 at immuneextra.com. And go to their website and check it out. Because if you don't want to just take my word for it, listen, my word's not gospel. Neither is anyone else's that you might hear from today. But go to the website. Check it out. Read about it. And you know what else I did? I Googled it. Click on news. There's nothing about any harm. There have been no side effects. There's nothing about this that would be alarming. Give your immune system a fighting chance against everything that's out there in the world, including COVID. Go to ImmuneExtra.com, use the keyword FRIENDS15, and they'll know you found this from Sports with Friends. Hey there, welcome to another edition of Sports with Friends. This is episode 334, our second one of 2022. And technically, this is going to also be about the NFL. What a wonderful week 18 they had. And they did so many great tributes to John Madden. Thanks for all the feedback we had on the Madden tribute last week. Uh, it was so much fun talking to Tom Rinaldi. It was such a cool story. The documentary he put together was fantastic. Fantastic, And the fact that he was able to take some time away while he's covering games and doing all these things to chat with us was remarkable. This week's guest is television royalty. Uh, we reached out to Ed Gorin, former president of Fox Sports, uh, about John Madden. But we got into a conversation that was so much more than that. Uh, early on, Gorin worked for CBS, and he gained fame within the business for producing NFL games. And then in 1993, he was one of the first employees ever hired by Rupert Murdoch for Fox Sports. 
Uh, Fox Broadcasting had the t- television rights to NFL games. They'd get, taken them away from CBS, and it was the games featuring the NFC, and Ed Gorin was the first employee, like the first American employee. It's a remarkable conversation. We'll let him tell the story, but it is amazing. And the details we get into, including the glowing puck. How about that? We talk hockey. And he tells a crazy Rupert Murdoch story. So there's so much there. Week 18 is in the books, and now it's wild card weekend. There are six big playoff games, and we will give you the latest odds on all of them with the head odds maker from BovadaSportsbook.com, Patrick Morrow. Patrick, give us a preview. Well, Seth, with six wild card games this weekend, it'll be the biggest playoff weekend in Bovada history. Ed Gorin has won a mind-boggling 46 Emmy Awards. His time as Fox Sports executive producer and president spanned 16 NFL seasons, included five Super Bowls, 10 NASCAR campaigns, eight Daytona 500s, five NHL regular and postseasons, four bowl championship series, three national championship games, and in baseball, he presided over 15 MLB seasons and 12 World Series. He created the Fox Box, and he hired John Madden from CBS. John Madden had options. He was the biggest star in football at the time, and Ed Gorin had to convince John Madden to come with him over to Fox Sports. Ed Gorin, it is an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. Been a fan of your work for such a long time. The circumstances in which I reached out were not wonderful. The passing of John Madden, yet it's still a great honor to speak with you. Thanks for doing this. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, John was one of a kind. Never be another one quite like him. You started, you know, your work with John at CBS. Um there was a lot of talk, you know, last week we had Tom Rinaldi on and we, his documentary was fascinating. And just the idea that uh, he was lukewarm to broadcasting in the beginning. Uh, when did you notice that you saw John Madden embrace something that would define his legacy? You know, it, it, it was his passion. Uh, it was uh, whether he was a coach or into broadcasting. I mean, it, for a lot of athletes, coaches, what have you, uh, they peak, their career peaks at an early age. And what, what do they have as a second act? And right. uh, for a lot of guys, it'll never be any better than when they were on the playing field or coaching. Uh, broadcasting is a very nice, comfortable transition for an athlete to maintain a contact with the sport, maintain a contact with the players. And I think John saw that as a a wonderful bridge to continue what was already going to be a Hall of Fame career. And, you know, for our listeners who have only lived in the world of social media, you know, the younger people who listen to this podcast, where I don't even know the demographics of this audience, but he knew his success rate. He knew that he was resonating with fans. How were that? How was that being told both when you worked with him at Fox? And I I obviously want to talk to you about the transition to Fox, but even at CBS, uh, he was beloved and he and Pat Summerall were clearly the number one team. How was he able to really know 
that he was resonating with so many people. And it seemed like he was gaining confidence as that was evolving. Well, I, I think that that's accurate. But I mean, the thing about John, he was a people guy. He loved people. Uh, our hotel in Chicago for Bears games was the Ritz-Carlton. You had to go up an elevator, one flight to get into check-in. And you get off the elevator and there's a couch and there's John Madden holding court <laughs> with people who were just passing through the hotel, not even talking sports, yeah. talking business, talking about he had a wonderful curiosity about life. And this all came out, it was genuine. It, it's hard to believe, but uh, it's very difficult, I would say, for a broadcaster to cut through to people at home through that TV. Mm -hmm. John, his presentation was personal and he was one-on-one -on -one with the viewer at home, even though it was millions of viewers, John was resonating through that TV box into your home. It's, it's pretty fascinating. Um, at CBS, one more last thing on CBS. Uh, they tried him out with a bunch of different broadcasters. The clips of him and Vince Scully are fascinating. Um, I just wonder, were you a proponent of John and Pat Summerall? Did you have another idea in mind? What was your perspective? What was your opinion? Whether or not it was something you kept to yourself then or not, what was your thought on the best possible options for John that would make John sizzle? You know, it's not necessarily valid what I'm about to say, but uh, Pat Summerall gave John Madden room to be John Madden. Mm -hmm. Vince Scully a Hall of Fame broadcaster, uh, a, a wonderful command of the English language and storytelling would have tightened that booth. And John may never, have been, not, not really, he, he would have been John Madden anyway, but you get the idea yeah, that sure. it, it would have been less because you needed more room. There's definitely, you know, people out there that, that dominate and, 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 you know, I know as a, as a host, what I try to do is about is elevate your co-host, make that make that former athlete or former coach a star. And Pat Summerall had that great mix. I like what John said in the documentary when he's talked about Pat having known that Pat played, there was this instant respect. Whereas if it's just some guy that comes out of, you know, Syracuse, I'm a Syracuse alum, so I had to throw that in there. Isn't everyone? <laughs> so, so it, 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 you know, the fact that Pat played helped John really embrace Pat. Yes. Yes. No question about it. The move to Fox. So you, you come in and this is more, you know, I, I, I want to make this also about you. Fox is this, is this new network. It had never done sports and they bring you over. Um, what was it about Fox that appealed to you? Or was it simply, you know, they offered a great deal and it was something you couldn't pass up. What was it about Fox then? And again, e even, even uh, listeners in their 30s and 40s don't maybe not remember just how fledgling Fox, Fox was at the time. 
Well, first off, I mean, it, I was the first American hired, I guess. Uh, Rupert brought David Hill from uh, Sky Sports in London right. uh, to uh, be the top dog. And David was brilliant. And one of the things uh, for months, once I started, it was just David and me. That was Fox Sports. And we were hands-on on everything. We didn't have a staff. And it was just really invigorating. The fear of failure is a wonderful motivator, I think. Mm -hmm. And I mean, Dave and I lived, breathed every day for four or five months in putting this together. And why Fox as opposed to CBS, you have to understand that at CBS, the loss of the NFC package was sort of the last straw. Mm. Prior to losing the NFL, CBS lost the NBA, lost baseball, and lost some significant college uh, content. So it was really a, a tough place to be, uh, the final straw being the uh, NFL package. And so number one, to still be involved with the NFL uh, was reason enough for me to say, this is great. I'm going to go yeah. to Fox. But I mean, the other thing was that David and I, our resumes are the same. We weren't uh, accountants. We weren't lawyers. We were television producers, both of us. And it was invigorating uh, working together in putting this together. Uh, and it, we started with a blank page. Yeah. No network had ever done uh, an, a one hour pregame show. Uh, nobody had in their studio a uh, mini football field for demonstrations. Uh, nobody or a lot of people thought we were nuts when David basically pushed the Fox Fox graphic. And it went on and on. And the beauty of Fox through those years was that between David and me, anything was worth trying. The only guilty thing would be if you weren't pushing the envelope. But if you're pushing the envelope, you're going to fail at times, too. And you know what we would do when we would fail? Hill and I would go to the bar, get loaded and say, what can Take we do the next? next day. What's next? <laughs> More with Ed Gorin in just a moment, but first, it is the first playoff weekend of the NFL season. The regular season came to an end, and now there are six wild card games, and they all start on Saturday. We bring in the head odds maker at Bovada, Patrick Morrow. And Patrick, for the AFC, we'll go in the first game of the weekend. The Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Las Vegas, only in because the Chargers were too chicken to try to tie Raiders. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, the Raiders in this one, Seth. So uh, we, we noted uh, that they avoided the Chiefs by winning that game. So it was a little bit more advantageous for them to try a bit in overtime. Um not too much, but uh, I mean, there's a clear disparity in point spreads here because the Bengals are only five and a half point favorites uh, in this game. And the Chiefs, we'll get to that one later, are much larger favorites. Uh, but looking at the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, yeah, very, very curious season for them. They, they had a lot of overtime luck. They had a lot of off-season issues uh, with players and, well, their head coach. It's odd that an interim head coach is uh, 
leading his team to the playoffs. But weirdly, it has not uh, swayed betters at all. Uh, 65% of all bets set are on the Las Vegas Raiders to either win or cover this game at Bavada right now. Uh, personally rooting for uh, the Bengals in that one just because I like Joe Burrow. I like a comeback story. He is plus 125 to win the uh, comeback player of the year award. Dak is a slight favorite there. Um, you know, Bengals, they were, they were they were 25 to 1 just to win their division this year. They were, you know, 10 to 1 just to make the playoffs. Uh, you know, really fascinating year for them. They have looked more consistent uh, on both sides of the ball. I, I think the Raiders have too many question marks. I lean the Bengals a little bit in this game, but, uh, you know, mean the betters, we don't always agree. No, there's definitely not. I think the most compelling game uh, of the of the weekend is the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. Two division rivals in frigid Buffalo. It's going to be like four degrees when they play the game. Uh, there could be snow uh, impacting the game. Uh, we saw what happened when the Patriots played the Bills and it was rain and wind. Um, what an amazing matchup. Belichick getting a third crack at the Bills. But the Bills at home, and they stepped up when they had to. These teams were uh, connected on the final game of the regular season because the Buffalo Bills uh, were had to beat the Jets or the Patriots won the division, and then this game would have been in New England. This is a crazy matchup. Patriots-Bills. Yeah, really interesting game and uh, really representative of how back and forth the season was this year. Uh, the it's Bills not to belittle the other games. The other games are great. This is a... <laughs> This is a major league match. This is so good. I can't wait for this. No, uh, you're, you're, you're absolutely right. I, I think for the Buffalo Bills, I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. They've been pretty decent now for uh, a couple of years in a row. Uh, definitely on the upside. Definitely in AFC power with, dare I say, a little bit of staying power. But psychologically and for your fans, you want to knock off the Patriots in the playoffs. And uh, I, I think a game like this is, is really compelling because it, it, it there's... I look at these two teams, the Bills, they started off the year so well, and then they came, you know, cratering back down to earth with some really mediocre play. Uh, they're a difficult team to really figure out if they're for real or not. I think they, either way, I, I think they really improved their defense this year. I think that holds up. Uh, I think offensively, there are some question marks there, and the weather that you noted uh, is going to play a big part in this game over under currently sitting at 43 right now but obviously uh that is what it is as of this recording if weather gets uh, better or worse it won't stay at that number uh you know this is something that we will do often at bavada is well i mean we obviously have to have a line out there but we will kind of post something you know that kind of tests the waters a little bit you know often we'll post a line knowing that's not where it's going to end up but that's just it's a it's a base it's a base right now that kind of puts us in the middle between extreme weather and weather that's not overly too impactful come Sunday. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that 43 move. Uh, as for the point spread and the money line, uh, the Bills are minus 195 favorites. They are four point favorites in this game as well. And the action is pretty 50-50 because I think, you know, the Patriots came on pretty strong in the second half of the year. They look good. It's hard to bet against Belichick. But hey, listen, a couple days ago, I would have said it's tough to bet against Nick Saban. Uh, about 50 5% of all bets on the Patriots in this one. Uh, and I agree. I'm right there with you. This is one of the more compelling matchups of the weekend. All right. Now we travel to Sunday. Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the heavy favorite over the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm actually curious just to see what this Eagles team is capable of. I'm a really big fan of their front office. Uh, from an analytics point of view, they do things 
I, I will call it mostly correct. And compared to the rest of the NFL, mostly correct is an A plus. Uh, this Tampa Bay Bucks team. I know they didn't get the one seed, but on paper, um, honestly, we, we we like them even more this year at Pavada. They are they are really really good. Their defense has only gotten better. Brady, who's uh, probably the only player who can uh, challenge uh, Rogers for the NFL MVP awards, currently four to one at Pavada. But as for the game itself, uh, yeah, the, the line is currently at uh, Tampa Bay minus eight and a half and. That feels right. That that feels like where it should be. The Bucks probably win this game. I'm I wouldn't be too surprised if Philadelphia hangs around just because they do smart things. They will be crafty. Uh, action is actually pretty split on this one, 50-50, and the over/under is sitting at 49 right now. A little bit more money on the over, but uh, better is definitely being a little bit more cautious with this one compared to uh, the positions on other games. And then, personal plug right here, uh, the 49ers travel to Big D to take on the Dallas Cowboys, and that game can be seen live on my Twitch channel. What? Uh, it's the final game. Yes, we signed the deal. We did Thursday Night Football throughout the season, uh, but we were promised one playoff game, and the game that is going to be available on my Twitch channel. And if you follow me on Twitter, I put out the link on game day. It'll be at Seth underscore Everett. You can watch the game along with me on Twitch. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys hosting the San Francisco 49ers. I'm hoping for a barn burner. I want overtime. I want it all. That That is a brutal matchup for the Cowboys, Seth. Uh, they, they really uh, got a tough draw there. Again, uh, on paper, but with the eye test, uh, they look like the best Dallas Cowboys team I've seen in the last five, 10 years. The 49ers look really, really good right now. Uh, Jimmy G uh, looked, uh, you know, really strong against uh, the Rams on Sunday. Uh, he's got all his weapons at uh, tight end, wide receiver, healthy now. They look so, so good. As a result, the Cowboys are only three-point home favorites in this one. Barely, uh, you know, barely taking up uh, what's traditionally considered the home field advantage of three points. And early days uh, suggests. Uh, a lot of 49ers support at Bavada. We're currently seeing about 65% of all bets on the 49ers money line and point spread at that uh, number of three. And uh, the over-under is sitting at 51, Seth. That is the highest of the week at Bavada. Uh, and then afterwards, it's not going to be on my Twitch channel, but the Pittsburgh Steelers, who only got in because the Chargers and Raiders were too gutless to do a tie, like everybody <laughs> in the country wanted them to, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Ben Roethlisberger taking on the heir apparent, uh, if not the best quarterback in the league, one of the best quarterbacks in the league, my man, Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, he, he said it's not going to be on your Twitch channel. I don't know if Steelers Chiefs should be on any channel. I'm, I'm not interested in this game. I know they got to play it. I hope the Chiefs uh, put the Roethlisberger era to bed and uh, they're more likely than any other team to win this week because they are 13 point favorites at home. Listen, th this Steelers team, forget what, uh, you know, forget whatever I, I think about Roethlisberger for a second. This Steelers team just isn't very good. Um, they're, they're pretty okay defensively, but Roethlisberger has really been a replacement level QB at best this year. Uh, as for the action report, uh, pretty 50-50 on this one, Seth, uh, at the minus 13. Over-under is also sitting at 46 and a half, and that's also pretty split as well. Well, the cool thing about the playoffs is you'll see all these games, and they all get, like, super microscope. Do we need a sixth game after Saturday, Sunday? I'm I'm tired just thinking about it. 
but the Arizona Cardinals will take on another division rival in the Los Angeles Rams. This is also compelling. I, you know, the, the Cardinals started off like gangbusters and then dropped off. Now they kind of redeemed themselves. They're eight and one on the road against a Rams team at SoFi Stadium that is trying to play uh, the Super Bowl in their home stadium. That gorgeous stadium, that's my only regret about not going to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, gorgeous stadium. Uh, looking at this one, you know, I, I I feel like this is kind of where I would have priced this game at the beginning of the season. This is what I thought about the Rams. This is what I think about the Cardinals. As it currently stands, yeah, 50-50 action split. All right, there you have it. Six wild card games, all in the NFL. Our thanks to Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at Bovada for joining us as he does each and every week. Now back to our conversation with the former president of Fox Sports, Ed Gorin. This is going to sound like a really naive question, but given the current state of cable television and the toxicity that's going on in the world, what's Rupert Murdoch like? What kind of a guy was he to work for? Phenomenal. Now. I don't know if I would have said that if I was a newspaper editor at the New York Post or the mm. Wall Street Journal, or if I was working for the Fox News Channel. Uh, all good businesses, good publications, good, I mean, they have their followings. Yep. But Rupert, with the new toy, which was Fox Sports, Rupert knew the value of sports because he built sky off of premier league soccer right. and he was going to do the same thing basically with the nfl and he was as complimentary and as proud as he could be i don't think i ever heard a negative word out of him about uh, our content and how we were producing the show uh the games i mean it, it it was wonderful. I can give you a, a Rupert Murdoch story, though. It's going to take a little time. Okay. But uh, I think it's worth it now that you mention Rupert. So, <laughs> as you know, every year the NFL puts out in the spring their schedule of games. Mm -hmm. And the NFC package at Fox, we know that a certain number of our games are gonna migrate over to Monday Night Football back then, or ESPN. Right. And you didn't have to be a genius back then in 1994 to realize that the best game on the 2004 schedule was gonna be a rematch of the NFC Championship game, Dallas and San Francisco. You knew before the season started, it would be the highest rated game of the year. Well, Monday Night Football, ABC would be going to be in there lobbying. They have to have this game. So I'm working my contacts at the NFL, pushing for Fox to get this package. The, if this it's game. not on Monday Night Football, it's on Fox. There's no... That's, yeah, that's right. So... I get a call from Madden, John being the coach and of, of Fox Sports and pushing and we got to have this game, man. Now, are you doing enough to make sure we get this game? I said, John, 
I'm working my people. I'm working my friends at the NFL. I, I, I think it, it, it's going to work out. A week later, Madden calls me and he goes, Ed, do you have the deal done yet? I go, John, it's not quite that simple. I need a little more time. Another week goes by, Madden calls me. He goes, Ed, you're screwing up. Damn it, you're going to blow it. We're not going to get the game. Al Michaels is going around telling people that's going to be the game of the year on Monday night football. And I go, no, no, that John. So now I, I go, John, I, 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 I'll, I'm going to boost this a little bit. So I go over to David Hill. I go, David, I need help here. I tell him the Madden story. I explained the game. I said, I think I need to call Rupert. Let's call Rupert. And I need Rupert to go call Paul Tagliabu, the commissioner, yeah. and tell Paul Tagliabu, for 400 million a year that we're paying you, we have to have this game, Paul. So we do that. And now Rupert calls Tagliabu. <laughs> and in the middle of the call, Rupert has a brain lock and can't remember what game he's supposed to be lobbying for. So Rupert calls back to Hill and me and he goes, what bloody game is it? Oh, he calls, he says to Tagliabu, I'm just getting a call from China. Let me get back to you. Hangs up, calls us. What bloody game do you want? He goes, pitches it to Tagliabu. We get the game. It was the highest rated game of the year. Fantastic. <laughs> Very nice. Uh, we, we're, let's get back to, to, to this decision to sign John. The one thing I thought that was pretty obvious was your, you know, Fox's commitment. Like if we're going to have the NFC package, have the star of the NFC package, John Madden, I can, I see it from your side, but how much convincing was there actually to do? Was it, was it something that was hard to sell? All you had to tell John Madden was we're doing the NFC games. Now, if you want to still do the NFC games, we're where you have to go. Was that as hard as it was made out to be? Cause that's what it was portrayed in the documentary. Yeah. Well, let's, let's back up one thing. First off, uh, I was the first American to be brought on board, but they were well Rupert and uh, Chase Carey well on their way to signing John Madden. All right. Oh, okay. Um, Here's the thing. John Madden's agent was Barry Frank. Barry Frank, bless his soul, Barry had a deal with Bob Iger for John Madden to go to Monday Night Football. And when Rupert heard rumblings about this, Rupert went over to meet with Madden one-on-one -on -one at Madden's uh, apartment in Manhattan. And Rupert put $8 million a year on the table for John. And Barry Frank. This is 1994. $8 million a year is a much four. different number in 1994. 94. $8 million a year, four-year deal. And Barry Frank and John said, we can't walk away from that kind of a deal. Barry had to call Bob Iger and say, I know we had a handshake agreement to meet, to bring John to Monday night, I can't do it. Barry Frank and Bob Iger probably went well over a year without ever saying really? hello to each other. Yep. Wow. All because. But John was going to be, I mean, it was a no brainer for Fox. 
it's, you know, credibility, uh, the best of the best. Uh, it, it, any concerns that the football fan had that after 30 plus years, CBS loses the NFC and this startup that doesn't even have a sports department is getting the NFC. And what am I going to get? Have uh, the Simpsons uh, doing play-by-play, right. Bart? I mean, it, it, it was like that. And then it shut down once you say, no, no wait a minute, we have uh, Pat and John. Right. And it was instant credibility. And a bunch of CBS product, Dick Stockton moved over right away. It, it, it was just the, the guys who were doing the NFC package, you know, down the line, pretty much migrated. I mean, not everybody, well, but most no, of them it, migrated. Well, first off... It, uh, having Pat and John and Dick Stockton and Matt Millen as our second team gave us instant credibility. But at, the, at that point, I went to Hill and I said, I have a thought here. We have the credibility from the top two crews. What I want to do is hire four young play-by-play announcers mm-hmm. and they will be our future. And that's what we did. Kenny Albert, yep. uh, Tom Brenneman, uh-huh. Kevin Harlan, and of course, Joe Buck. And in fact, Joe used to, and you, you, their, their heritage you know, goes back. Uh, everyone has connect, parents' connections with and uh, broadcasting to the point where Joe Buck uh, referred to the four of the guys as the lucky sperm club. <laughs> uh, Kenny uh, talked about that. Uh, he was on Sports with Friends. We did in a month right when the lockdown, when COVID, you know, the beginning of the lockdown, I tried to find the busiest people in sports. And <laughs> I found Ian Eagle, Kenny Albert, you know, uh, Chris Majkowski, he's the uh, longtime uh, radio engineer for the Giants and the yeah. Mets and the Knicks. And I just was like, these people would never be able to come on the podcast. They're constantly traveling. And now they're climbing the walls because they were stuck in their house. And Kenny Albert was the first guy who said, yeah, absolutely. I'll do your podcast. <laughs> he was, he was <laughs> <you> just, <laughs> right. How long can I go on? Uh, and he, he was great. Recently, he did the, uh, the winter classic uh, in yeah. frigid Minneapolis. And then the next day, like less than 12 hours later, he was in Indianapolis doing a Colts game. It was, it, he's brilliant. Um, it, it, it's not only brilliant. He is just the salt of the earth. Oh, it, as, genu- genuine guy. Yeah. As you'll ever want to meet. Yeah. There, there, there's no uh, secret about that. Um, you know, in, in, in researching uh, John and, and, and doing the, the, the podcast with, with Tom Rinaldi, I had this idea of some some off the beaten path questions. I didn't want to do the, the this is your life, the obvious questions. Uh, one of them was, what did John Madden need to work on? We, our, our adulation for him is notwithstanding. He wasn't a perfect polished broadcaster by any stretch. What did you ever, maybe not yourself, but what did Fox or CBS ever see in John and said, you know what? You really need to work on X. Well, you know what? In a way, and John used to joke about it. He didn't know where the cameras were. <laughs> he didn't know how the graphics worked. Uh, so he had to learn broadcasting. Yeah. Uh, to, to some degree, but but the personality, the broadcaster, all of that. Uh, was was right there week in week out. 
uh, but some of the technical stuff and John used to joke about, about it. I, I didn't even know the cameras were there. Uh, I didn't know that Pat was going to be in the same. It, it, it was also the minutia of a broadcast. That's fascinating. Uh, last thing on Madden, and then I want to uh, touch on some sports media questions for you. Um, what, did, what was your thought on John's involvement with video games and the origin of the video game? We know what kind of a success it was. We know what kind of a financial success it was for John. Um, and there's a huge chunk of the football audience that knows, you know, especially the younger people that know him from the game and not, not his broadcasting career. What was your thought on the game? Did you think this was a, a frivolous thing? Did you think, boy, he's going to do something different? What was your take on the, the, the beginning of the video game? That I was, I, I couldn't have imagined that it would be the success that it became. Uh, I mean, there were other, there, there were other video games, uh, but this was, and, and you know what? I think until you saw it, until you saw the finished product, yeah, you couldn't imagine how good and how real this would be. And that goes to John, who didn't just do a deal, sign a contract, cash a check. He was right in the middle there that was his game with his face on it. He was going to make it real. And it, it revolutionized technology. I mean, it revolutionized video game. Uh, to, to... Let, me, let me give you a, a quick couple quick hitters on John. Sure, sure. He, Please. he saw the world differently. And he saw a broadcast differently. So I could take a painting... And it's a painting of a quarterback. It's a football painting. And John, ten, I show the painting to 10 guys and they go, oh, well, this is about the quarterback right there. And I show that same painting to Madden and Madden goes, Ed, Ed, behind the quarterback in the back there, one of the players is wearing two different colored shoes. <laughs> John would see not just the obvious, but that's a, but everything. there's an incredible intellect there. Like you have to be a deeper mind to be able to identify those things. Absolutely. Yeah. The, um, the, the, the and his use of the telestrator, the, the way he was able to incorporate that and be comfortable doing it and the way he would just be use it. <laughs> it was great. It was his toy. It, it, it was like, it, it was like his third hand, the third yeah. arm. I mean, it, <laughs> It, it was part of his body, yeah. and 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 he he worked that tool, and the tool the telestrator itself became a personality. Totally, totally. Um, of all your time at Fox, um, I loved what you said about you know you, you your only your only issue was ever if you didn't try everything. Um, take me through the, the the glowing puck. As wonderful, and I hope the, the adulation for your iconic career is notwithstanding, the glowing puck is still something that resonates with, with fans. It's always on social media. You see it all the time. What, did, what was your thought then, and what's your thought now on the glowing puck? Well, Which is a technological marvel, how you pulled that off. 
Well, it, it was brilliant. And uh, David Hill had this genius guy who came up with uh, the, the technology. Uh, the NHL, every sport wants a younger audience. Right. We're losing the younger audience. So that was certainly part of it. Uh, Maybe they should have a glowing baseball. Sorry. Continue. Well, but uh, <laughs> what the idea came from David and my problem, and I just had to work through it, was that my dad was PR director for the New York Rangers for 10 years. My dad had passed oh. away and now his son, Ed Gorin, is involved with something where they're going to make a puck glow because that way you can see the, the follow the puck easier. I've never had trouble following a puck. Who the hell needs any help here? Well, the first use of the uh, glowing puck was an all-star game in Boston. And the ratings were through the roof. I mean, we promote we, we promote real well at Fox. We, robots, we yeah. Or more bullshit that <laughs> really re starts resonating with people. We got it. Uh, I understood the point, and I will say this: that for the younger audiences, uh, it it worked. I mean, just as a Madden game football football game would work we yeah you know what the criticism for would would be well you turned it into a video game uh i get it but for the younger audience it actually was brilliant it got people talking about hockey who the hell talks about hockey okay kenny albert <laughs> kenny albert loves to talk well and we had gary bettman on the podcast but yeah, yeah. I, 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 I get it no we're big hockey fans here um one of the things i think that helped beyond the glowing puck and it's helped hockey and you know if, if it's a niche sport it is but it's still growing and every year they're doing better than the year prior uh is hdtv the the bigger screens and yeah. just the idea that it's easier to see now on TV. Hockey as a presentation is different. When you're limited in the screen, you need to make it glow because you need to make it something that people can see. And I, I think that hockey Absolutely. has benefited from, from the new technology. Speaking of new technology, what's your thought on the red zone? Whether it's the DirecTV version or the NFL Network version, the red zone, which is seven hours where all they go is to game to game to game to game to game to game to game. It's a frenetic pace, and it really is a different way to consume football. What's your thought on the red zone? Uh, I think it's brilliant, uh, it, and I find it uh, somewhat disappointing that uh, the red zone uh, didn't have Fox involved. Uh, at a certain point, I forget which year, uh, News Corp bought DirecTV. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we were good. And this was came up during a football season. And I got uh, Jack Simmons, one of our uh, technical guys who oversaw the studio production and uh, uh, equipment and whatever. Uh, and I said to Jack, Jack, on Sunday, what I want to do is set me up where uh, I want to jump, I'm going to jump from game to game. And 
cover the game, trying to catch every, every touchdown. And I think if it works, it's something that we could do at DirecTV. We don't have the ability to do it at Fox, but we have it at DirecTV. Somewhere in the Fox vault is that tape. And that mm-hmm. came a year before there was ever a red zone. So, yeah, it, it, it's, uh, uh, I think, a, a, a great way for certainly a younger audience to uh, watch football, uh, probably uh, not just younger audience. It's a great vehicle for fantasy fans. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and 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 as if the NFL needs more money, it's a great money maker for them. Well, it, and it's a it's a fun broadcast because what I love, you know, being in broadcasting. A lot of my friends are on the CBS crews and the, and the Fox crews. And what I like is I, I don't need somebody just playing highlights for me. What I like is I want to hear, uh, you know, Spiro Ditas and Andrew Catalan and Kevin Burkhart. Now I want to hear all these guys and you go live instantly to a game where, you know, in the past, you know, somebody who grew up with CBS and NBC and, you know, again, Fox and NBC and, you know, eventually, you know, it, it evolved. It just, it's a fascinating way to consume uh, the sport, the other, uh, it, it, and you know, moving forward, yeah, yeah. I think it will also uh, be uh, have an audience with uh, those who participate in legalized sports. Yeah. Of course, of of yeah. course, it's going to be a, a major part of that. Gambling is something that I, I had one question about, and that is the 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 separation and this this boom of steal a phrase from john madden um to the the this growth in the 2000s um football was always this entertainment dynamo there's no secret about that but in the 2000s it seemed to take on another stratosphere and what i connected that to was the proliferation of the iphone and just the ability to do offshore gambling but just the idea you know the example I gave is the Wisconsin NFL ratings grew in the early 2000s, right? Nobody grows up in, 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 in Wisconsin and isn't a Packer fan, but why would the ratings in green Bay or in Wisconsin go up in the two, in the early two thousands, because everybody that lives in the, in the, in the state loves the Packers where right. you didn't all of a sudden birth all these new Packer fans. So I connected it to the iPhone. It's just been a theory of mine. When, when did you see the NFL? It was always this entertainment juggernaut, but then it became the behemoth in a certain point. And is that what was tied to gambling? Well, everything in sports is tied to gambling in a way. But I mean, I think that uh, the the growth of the NFL and uh, I I would go back to the Super Bowls. Mm. So if John Madden was here, he'd go, hey, you know, it's, I started off as Super Bowl Sunday, and then it became Super Bowl weekend, right? And right. it became Super Bowl week, right? And that's how big the sports grown and gone. And I I think that that week brings out fans who may not come out on any given week to watch. Sure. 
it's it, it's a it's a fascinating uh, trail to see you know where where it goes because <laughs> other sports have had ebbs and flows and the NFL just had this massive uptick and it was just something that in the two thousands to the point now where I, I, you always hear about it in in labor talks the league makes literally too much money they were they were never going to cancel games for COVID they were never you know the other sports did. They were never, they were like, come hell or high water. We're playing our season. We're doing what we have to do. It's because it just became too much of a monster. And, and I don't say that in a derogatory sense. I I love the NFL, but what the NFL has become is this entity on it to itself that surpasses what it was during your time at Fox. Well, it, it, it does, but I think you have to go back to 1994 and the Fox deal. So it's a four-year deal at uh, basically 400 million a year. CBS passed on a deal that would have been maybe 275, 270 a year. Hmm. So now you got all the others, CBS passing, NBC getting the pa- their package for 275, let's say ESPN or Monday night and ABC, about the same number. And here's Fox paying 400 million a year. The next time round on the cycle, Tagliabue goes to the other broadcasters and said, boys, we need from you what we got from Fox. Well, what that did, that deal that Rupert made, if you look at the overall economics of sports, you had now the NFL getting 400 million a year. You, you, You got the players association isn't blind they're going wait a minute our players deserve more the players all of a sudden were getting more 30 million a year in today's world it also was noticed by the nba and baseball and hockey Mm -hmm. where these commissioners and their tv rights were being doubled because of the fox deal this is the new landscape And in a way, in a way, this was then triggering owners of teams with valuations in the billions, whoever thought that could happen. So in a way, what Rupert did and what the NFL did established a new economics for the rest of ever in sports and the ownership and the salaries of players coming because of that one deal the uh the proliferation of streaming uh the nfl is a is a unique entity you know when they re-upped with nbc recently and i think cbs and and fox redid their deals so you people are asking me about it and i I just was like uh, okay tell me where sunday ticket goes then i'm interested because that's going to change the the landscape whether it's apple or amazon or Disney or, or wherever, wherever that, uh, that, that goes. And there's been recent uh, reports about DirecTV retaining some level of Sunday ticket, not the exclusivity because of sports bars and sports bars don't have the bandwidth to, to start streaming all, all of these games, but in the other sports, and you worked in other sports as well, uh, baseball, hockey, and basketball are the best examples. Uh, it seems like we're headed towards an a la carte that the RSNs are, uh, you know, not necessarily going away, but they're going to change. And that if I live in 
in, in Virginia and I want to watch the Washington Nationals, I'll pay for it, but I can watch the Washington Nationals. Whereas now, if I wanted to watch the Washington Nationals, I need cable. And that's going to change and it's going to be an a la carte way and it's, it, it's going to evolve. Do you like the way it's all going? Do you, do you embrace all of this or do you be like, oh my God, this is, this is a different person's world? How, what's your perspective on all the change that's going on in the way we consume sports media? Uh, you know, I think it's, it's followed the technology. Uh, but then again, just because the technology is there doesn't mean it's necessarily a good idea for you to be producing off of that. But the reality is that, uh, yes, it, it's, the delivery systems are going to be different. It's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens with Thursday night football on Amazon next year. Uh, my guess is that they're going to uh, buy their way in as far as credibility and putting together a crew. They only have to do one game a week it's not six or seven uh and i think they'll end up with uh uh a, an outstanding broadcast booth uh and uh some great production i would you like to guess who, who it's going to be because it's all rumor now so do you want to guess and since it's a podcast people will listen and say wait a minute i heard ed Gorin say this guy alan troy uh, do you but think who, Troy leaves Fox? Do you think Troy Aikman leaves Fox or he does both? He doesn't even know the answer to that. I know. I know. We've <laughs> reached out. We're planning an episode with Troy in a couple of months, but I think that needs to be resolved before we can I think have him on. He, he doesn't. Uh, no, he just launched a beer, though. That, that, yes, I saw that. He's got time on his hands. Uh, I, I, I think that... <laughs> I'd like to believe that Amazon and in this new technical world has a way of bringing, producing a different kind of football broadcast in some fashion. Show like me Fox did back in the 90s. But you have the technology because you're not a, a TV channel. You, you have more flexibility. I, I'm looking forward to seeing that. Then the other thing to me, I know in my heart that their broadcast is going to look just fine. And the broadcast team will give the Amazon package credibility, just as Pat and John gave us credibility at Fox. Mm -hmm. But what is more difficult, yes, you have your credibility, but at Fox, that wasn't enough. We had to be entertaining. We had to create stars. We had to create personality. And all of that came from the studio pregame show, JB, Terry, Howie, Jimmy, Stray, and, and Kurt. Now. And mm -hmm. that's where you make your mark with the audience. Personality. And that at Fox, our Fox Sports pregame show sort of became the attitude of the whole damn network. Mm. Well, it's interesting because the Fox brand 
you know, because of the success of Fox News, the Fox brand, I think a lot of people look and when they hear the word Fox, they think news first now. Whereas I think if we were having this conversation 15 years ago, it would be if you mentioned the word Fox, it was sports. Sports well, was first. A, a couple a couple things there. First off, we were we were born a couple of years before Fox News was born. Right. That's number one. Number two is that had we failed at Fox Sports, mm. it's quite possible there never would have been a Fox News channel for those who are now cheering. <laughs> what a great way to end a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, congratulations on all your success. Uh, it, it, it is an opportunity to see the evolution of sports media through a time that was truly unique. And you were at the forefront of that. Um, look, I don't need to kiss your ass. You've already agreed to be on the podcast, but it truly is remarkable. And you, you should be so, so I, I know you are so, it's just so proud of the success that you had. I can't believe it. I mean, I pinched myself. Uh, I was very fortunate I was able with Hill to hire some great talent uh, that whether it was the NFL or whether it was for baseball, uh, our four years at the NHL, uh, just some very, very talented people. Uh, and that sort of made the ride pretty easy in many ways. Thank you. Well, it, it's remarkable, and, and I, I'm thrilled to have been able to do this episode. I, I love the, the topics that we covered, uh, especially the stuff with John Madden uh, with his recent passing. Um, you know, I said last week when we, we had uh, Tom Rinaldi on, he, he literally just the, the fact that that documentary came out on Christmas Day and he dies four days later, something is aligned in the planets and the stars. He, if he dies three days before, he never sees it. If he, you know, it, it, there's so many uh, things about uh, the way his life ended, but uh, it, it, it introduced me to you, and I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled that you came on the podcast. Thank you so much. Be well, be safe, and enjoy some football this January. The legendary Hall of Famer, Ed Gorin, right here on Sports with Friends. This was a lot of fun, and I hope you enjoyed listening to it. Every Wednesday, we have a new episode of Sports with Friends coming up. Make sure to rate and review. Also, subscribe to Sports with Friends. A new episode comes out each and every Wednesday, and it will be delivered right to your inbox. Ed Gorin. Wow, the stories alone was worth subscribing to Sports with Friends. We'll see you next week. If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see. I'm about to go And then you'll know For me to stay I got to be me You'll never be in doubt That's what it's all about You can't take me for granted And smile Count on grace I'm gone Forget reaching my phone Because I promise I'll be gone for a while When you see that you have been the kind of person that you really are now.